0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge.
1: 1106 here on this Sunday morning. John Hanson in for Dean Richards. I'll take you till 1 o'clock. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Three one two ninety one seventy two hundred. That's our phone number for you to join the conversation. We'll pivot to some entertainment news and what's happening in the entertainment world. And for that, uh, my go-to guy is always uh, Blockbuster Blake Stubbs. Blake, how you doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing well, John. How about yourself?
1: Very good. A happy Mother's Day to your mother as well, Blake.
2: Uh, yes, happy Mother's Day to Marsha, one of my favorite moms in the whole world, yes. as well as my own, of course. I'm looking forward to seeing her in about one hour. All right. It should be a lot of fun.
1: So she's listening saying, don't go too long, because we got yeah, some... Yeah, don't uh, go too long. All right, sounds good. the <laughs> uh,
2: Biggest movie out this
1: weekend has to be this Doctor Strange. This is a sequel? I, I missed the first one, Blake. I, I have to admit, you know oh, yeah. I'm not as much into the comic worlds uh, as you, you are. I mean, you're into all movies, and you just know more about it. So tell us about what this is.
2: Okay, so Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is the sequel to Doctor Strange, which is kind of, in the last five years, it's one of the bigger uh, Marvel properties that have come out. Um, The character of Doctor Strange has factored into a lot of the biggest uh, Marvel movie arcs, and so him getting his own sequel... Uh, this is supposed to open things up even larger for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it involves the multiverse, which is something that they very much played with in Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, They've hinted at it for years that it was going to come eventually. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home is actually a great um, movie for context on top of being a a very entertaining blockbuster that certainly made everyone feel like COVID was a distant memory if you look at the money that it brought in. Mm -hmm. Um, This particular film, however, for me stood out as a very important entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it is directed by one of my all-time favorite directors, Sam Raimi, who audiences will be very familiar with if they've seen the original Spider-Man movies made in the early 2000s because he directed all three of them. Um, One would argue that everything we know about a more modern era of comic book movies is owed in a great deal to a lot of the things that Sam Raimi did while he made those movies. So even if you've only seen one of those, um sort of the the kinetic way he moves the camera the which he's very known for because he was a very successful independent director back in the very late 70s early 80s with the Evil Dead films um Army of Darkness was a was a big film for him as well he's also known for making very good films such as The Simple Plan which is Billy Bob Thornton and um Bill Paxton uh may he rest in peace cuz I thought he gave an out, both gave outstanding performances Billy Bob I believe was nominated uh for an Oscar for mm-hmm. that film so this is direct who has a lot of prestige in his career, known for being a pioneer, known for being a guy who knows how to direct actors, known for being somebody who likes doing things practically, which is a very big departure from the way the Marvel films have kind of evolved. Uh, If you've seen a lot of them, you know a lot of people have some criticisms. I have become one of these who who feels that they've kind of fallen into a a very formulaic uh, way of delivering They're films. Now, that doesn't mean they're not entertaining. That doesn't mean they're not enjoyable. It's just, once you've seen over 20 of these, you start to notice a lot of similarities. I was very worried with uh, the attachment of Sam Raimi that the film would be more of a formulaic Marvel Cinematic Universe entry and just be a big part of the pack, except a way to launch into a new way of telling some stories with all of these characters that people know and love. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised to see that this was a film that they let Sam Raimi direct. And I'm not the only person who's saying this. Uh, This is something that's kind of lit up Twitter over the last few days. You mean it really has his
1: his thumbprint all over it?
2: Absolutely. In fact, the film uh, is the type where when it starts out, it it starts out like a Marvel film uh, in, in every respect. And then by the time the movie's over, you've got... Uh, a switch to practically being a full-on horror film uh, near the end, which is something that Ramy is very much, you know, one of the masters of. Uh, his, his camera movement is all there. A lot of his gags that he is known for putting into his movies are very much present. Um, I feel like this movie is an incredibly fun watch. I think that this was a movie that uh, everybody who made it looks like they're having a good time on screen, which resonates with the audiences. I saw it with a packed house um, Friday night. Uh, at an IMAX screening, and everyone was laughing. People were really into it. A couple of people had some shocked reactions to things on screen. So this wasn't like your giant crowd eruption movie like, say, Avengers Endgame. This was something that I think audiences, uh, for being one of the shortest Marvel films made in terms of actual running time, uh, they accomplished a lot. And I thought that getting to see some of my favorite directors, like calling cards on the screen as well, within the confines of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was great. And look, this is a movie that I think should not be spoiled. Uh, There are a lot of cameos, given the fact that it involves the multiverse, so characters we've never seen in Marvel films are going to appear in this. Um, Characters that have been hinted at in other shows uh, that they've done as sort of like offshoot, um, um, shows that involve characters in different iterations of themselves uh, might make an appearance in this. This is something that if you can get out and see it,
0: this on a big screen this is, uh, um,
2: it's it's fun to go to the movies again yeah. is, is a great way to say it doctor so, strange
1: in yeah. the multiverse of madness uh they they reported that, that Dizzy reported that it made uh, about 58 million dollars on yesterday uh, about 90 million on friday and it's uh the, the box offices they need these these you know say what you will about so many you know comic books or these uh these these marvel movies they really are tent poles for some of these studios
2: very much are. Uh, this movie, as of right now, the last thing I saw, according to Variety, was it has a total of $185 million in its opening weekend. Uh, for context, Spider-Man No Way Home is the biggest thing uh, in the pandemic that's come out, which was uh, $260 million. Um, but, but we got all day today, too. Some, yeah, and I think this one's got some legs, and I think that, of course, don't even... Uh, neglect what's going to happen internationally uh, with this movie because it's going to be a big hit internationally probably as well. So, yeah, I I think you're right, John. This is one of those tentpole movies to say that we are full-on in blockbuster season. I think it's fair game. Uh, And also it's just nice for me as a fan to see one of my favorite directors put out his first movie in nine years, see it make a ton of money, see it get critical praise, and whether, whether certain Marvel fans love it or hate it, I don't think that they can deny the fact that this movie is trying to be ambitious in good ways to drive this big story that we all have been watching for over, I think, 11, 12 years now at this point, um, in some interesting and new directions. Yeah, so. for sure.
1: From uh, from Doctor Strange to Doctor Who, big announcement there, yeah?
2: Yeah. Um, so this, this actually was a big surprise when I woke up this morning. Um, so for those that aren't too familiar with Doctor Who, the character of the Doctor uh, can be played by a new actor. As uh, a contract runs out, they can regenerate the Doctor. That's He's a Time Lord. That's part of the whole lore of the character uh, into a new actor. And we are at that point in time where we're transitioning from one actor to another. Um, Jodie Whittaker has been playing the part for the last few years, and she was the first woman Doctor. Um, the first black actor will be taking the role with Shuti Gatwa. Um, who, who is a name that I wanted to make sure I pronounced properly. Uh, so I did a lot of homework before I got on the radio with you today, John. Um mm-hmm. Gatwa is known for Netflix's sex education. He's been on the show, as I understand it, the entire run. This is not an actor that I'm familiar with, but the, the knowing that Russell T. Davies is taking over the show again, and for those that may not know, Russell T. Davies is the man who really was the showrunner when Doctor Who had its big resurgence in the early 2000s. He is now back in charge of the show and ushering it into a whole new era um, by casting Shooty Gatwood, who's a very talented actor from everything I have seen of him. Um, And I'm very intrigued to see where they go from here. So this is is one of those big monumental castings that I think for a a very beloved character, uh, a show that has always been popular whenever it's been on the air um, because this is a very long running character too. I believe this is a character that's approaching its um, sixth decade uh, of being wow. in social consciousness. Yeah. So um, fifth or sixth, I might be very off on my numbers there, but either way, 50 years, just know at know there's a lot of gravitas and appreciation for this character and for this a young actor to take on this role. I'm I'm very intrigued to see see what he does with it. Um, I'm it's looking looking interesting to say the least.
1: Seven seven three chimed in. What a perfect discussion for Mother's Day, a Marvel movie. Hey, we're gonna get to mom <laughs> stuff in a second. We were just going over some headlines, people. Just talking about what's happening. Yes, Blake. After the break, we're gonna talk about the best movie moms or TV moms in history. Sound good? Sounds great to me. Yeah, right? We're getting to it, people. Don't worry, it's Mother's Day. I haven't forgotten that. 312 981 7200 with your favorite TV or movie moms. 312 981 7200. We'll get to that after this on WGN. 720 WGN, it's 1120. It's John Hansen in for Dean Richards till 1 o'clock on this Mother's Day Sunday. So look behind me. Yeah, a lot of high clouds are kind of overtaking the sun. That's a little too bad, but hey, at least it's uh, we had some sun. It's not pouring right now, so it's better than the last 50 days have been. So, uh, as we see this warm up uh, really take hold starting tomorrow, Blake Stubbs, Blockbuster Blake. We're now going to pivot to talk about best. TV and movie moms 312-981-7200 if you've got some we've got a few on the text line blake including uh one from a movie that goes i believe back to the 40s from 773 says i remember mama i don't remember that movie uh did you were you able to look up anything about that one blake
2: so I Remember Mama is a movie that came out in 1948, uh, and it stars Irene Dunn as Mama and Barbara Belgatis, who I think a lot of people will remember, and is also a very famous TV mom uh, in her own right, uh, as well as a fantastic actress. And it's about a young writer um, who really just sort of tells her story of what it's like to grow up as one of four kids in a Norwegian immigrant household uh, in the early 1900s, like 1910s, uh, I believe in San Francisco. Um, Barbara Belgatis, uh, a lot of people know as Miss Ellie from Dallas, uh, Miss Ellie Ewing, the the patriarch of the Ewing family. But, um, this is, this is one of those things where pre-Dallas, uh, Barbara Belgatis was a very, very, uh, hardworking actress who was in a lot of things, including, uh, you know, Hitchcock. She worked with just about everybody you could work with. Um, and I, I think this is a good selection. John, I, I think you and I have always talked about how I always come away from doing, um, uh, a show with you when we bring in texts where uh i get homework yeah. i get something i haven't seen before uh this was one of, i everything i just said to you is something i looked up as a little bit of uh research on what yet. this movie was so yeah this is my homework uh, whoever texted this in please know that i will watch this probably sometime this week if not today
1: i remember so I, mama. I
2: appreciate it there you go mike I remember mama 1948
1: Mike P. in Jefferson Park says, Harriet Nelson reminded me of my mom, always in high heels and a dress, making cookies when I got home from school. Not. (laughs) Yeah, some of these TV and movie moms we see are uh, ancient uh, portrayals or stereotypical ones. uh, But I feel like the ones that are more based in reality, say like a Marge Simpson is one that comes to mind for me. Yeah. A little bit more
0: accurate, right?
2: I would, I would, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, that's a big one. I I think that a lot of people know that when you watch sitcoms that were set in a certain era, let's say, Uh uh, particularly things from the fifties, you know, you got fifties and sixties, you have things like June Cleaver from leave it to beaver. I mean, these were all very, this is a very, like there's a role that a mother plays as opposed to not just being a mom and, As as we uh, you and I were growing up, John, I think the big ones that stand out are absolutely Marge Simpson. Uh, Roseanne uh, is another one yeah. uh, that I think I think is a given. And uh, I think that it was quite obvious that in sitcoms, the the role of the mother uh, certainly branched out uh, and started to show all the facets of what it takes to be a mother and, and raise a family, take care of a household, which isn't just the mom's job. That's everybody's job. It's it's one of those things where now <laughs> when we see moms on TV. We get a lot more, I think, out of out of both the actresses and the parts uh, to, to show off what it really means to be a mom.
1: Yeah, you're right. That is an interesting transition that happened from shows from maybe the 50s and maybe the early 60s to what happens to a maybe a more reality. I'm sure some people wish it was still like Leave It to Beaver times, but... Uh, it ain't, and maybe it never quite yeah, was yeah. for a lot of people. So it's interesting. 847 says, uh, Mary Ty- ordinary people, Mary Tyler Moore. Um, great su- a suggestion there. David from Jefferson yeah. Park says, favorite mom is Marie Dressler from uh, Tugboat Annie. Um,
2: okay. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good poll. I like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, uh, the 217 echoed the, I remember mama, a wonderful movie for your homework there, Blake. Um, I don't know, Annie Mazer, Dave Schwann, do you guys have any uh, favorite moms portrayed in TVs or movies past? I was like Mrs. Cunningham from Happy Days. There oh, you go.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. There you go. Mm-hmm. And we, you were talking about June Cleaver, and uh, but but another mother that that was from that same era of Leave It to Beaver was uh, Jane Wyman, who was the uh, mother on Father Knows Best. Always, well, always the good natured. Uh, caring housewife and mother of, uh, you know, two uh, daughters and a son. I, I liked her portrayal. You know,
1: it's interesting that we talk about these roles that were really these... Um, I guess it's something that you would want every, you know,
0: that a, a stereotypical yeah. is a word, but also Did anyone a, maybe actually an gr- ideal, maybe an ideal type of mother.
1: Did anyone actually grow up with moms that were quite like... I'm sure there are people out there that say, yeah, my mom was just like Mrs. Cleaver and stuff, but maybe well, it was know, more my projection.
0: Mother, my mother was home most of the time yeah and uh, true. when i would come home from school she would be getting ready uh, with dinner or a, n- a neighbor lady would be over having a cup of coffee uh that type of thing when i would be when i would come home from school and yeah I, and i have to say this i really i really mean this my friends that i knew and even getting into college when i would go to visit their houses the mothers were just the same way. They were just they took you right in. You were family. Right.
1: I, I, and that's wonderful. And I think a lot of moms, especially moms who, uh, you know, either never entered the workforce or they, they they raised kids, which is more work than a lot of people realize, of course. Um but I guess I mean like the, like the high heels on baking cookies in the oven with well, the skirt. Not you know, the high that's heels what I mean, majors. right? Like, no, no, no. Of course, there were a lot of moms out there that did great and were perfect. Um, I got a text, by the way, guys. This is a topical from the 847. Worst TV mom, Wendy Bird from Ozark. <laughs> that's good. Blake, we got a, a mom uh a text from the 309 says a mo- the mom on uh blackish, a whole person. And I think that's a great way to put that, right? A whole person, Blake.
2: Yeah, I think whole person, very layered. Absolutely. And and I think that that's a, a testament to the shift in what writer's rooms are looking like on television shows these days. You know, they're being more inclusive. They're getting different voices in there that have never been in, in past decades. And when that happens, you'll see complete transitions in how characters are written and the idea of any character fitting a specific um, role you know d- doesn't really apply we want layered characters as audience members we want to have you know one week we want to be cheering them on and the next week we might have a little bit of a conflict with them because things change and they're human beings I like that description, a whole person. Yeah. I really appreciate
1: that. That's good. I guess 847 saying also, I Remember Mama was also a TV show in the 50s. I didn't know that. We'll have to continue our research. Right. Phone lines are lighting up, 312-981-7200. Get on. We want to talk favorite moms. This can be from TV shows or from movies. I think the, the TV moms stick with us just because the nature of the weekly program, right, coming on. And yeah. you see the evolution of characters perhaps a little bit more than... In in uh, in movies, uh, 815 says, Livy Walton from The Waltons, uh, Sally Absolutely. Field from Brothers and Sisters. A lot of great texts coming in. Uh, the one that I remember, Blake, that I appreciate, Sophia Petrillo from Golden Girls. Uh, yes. That's a whole woman. She had a lot of stories from back in Sicily and, of course, lost her husband and uh, raised uh, B Arthur, according to the show. <laughs>
2: Right. I was going to say, I think that uh, that particular character, of Sophia Petrillo, what, what, played by Estelle Getty, uh, with a plum, by the way, uh, is one of the big standouts for me. Because I think um, what I was just talking about with like a whole person, you know, that our, our, our audience, or our listeners sent in. I think she's one of the earliest renditions of that. One of those really like throughout the entire show, by the time the show's over, I feel like, you know, her entire life story. And she's probably got still got surprises for you, even after the show's done. So I, I like the the pick, uh, John. I think that is one of the gold standards, not to uh, play on the title of the show she was on. But I, I definitely agree with you there.
1: Here's another one, 708. And I don't think anyone could disagree with this. Claire Huxtable. What a portrayal yeah. on the Cosby Show. And I know it's you know faux pas really to talk too much about the other side of the Cosby Show family, of course. And that show has such a stain on it, unfortunately, nowadays, because it really was a great show. And a lot of it was Claire Huxtable.
2: I agree. I think that uh, the portrayal of a very understanding, loving mother um, is, is one of those things that every era of sitcom television has one of its icon has an icon for a specific role, be it, you know, the neighbor or the father or the mother or the kids, one of the kids. I think Claire Huxtable is one of the true standouts of her era. Uh, and if you want to see, um, obviously, there's controversy around the show for obvious reasons, but I, I can't discount uh, the character uh, of Claire Huxtable at all. Oh, I think sure. that that's a fantastic selection.
1: Blake, I know you got to go see Mom. Can you hang around just a little bit longer for us?
2: Oh yeah, I'm so sure she's listening. As long as she's listening, she knows, you know. Yeah, I'll be there, Mom. Don't worry. We're just getting, I'm coming to get you. We're
1: going a ton of texts in. We want to get your calls too. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Favorite TV or movie, moms. More of this after the news here on WGN. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, and a happy Sunday to you all. It's eleven thirty eight. I'll be in for John Williams actually tomorrow, and then back again at six o'clock for your Money Matters. But I'm here till one o'clock today for, uh, obviously, Dean Richards' show. Uh, and we're talking about uh, TV and movie moms with uh, Blockbuster Blake Stubbs. And Blake, we did get a text from the 847. My mom was very similar to June Cleaver in her real life. As she got older, she switched from pumps and dresses to dressy slacks and dressy flat shoes. We lived in a small town, and even to go downtown, all of us girls, including her mother, had to dress up, put on our makeup, and make sure that our hair was spotless. And I think that is—they bring up an interesting point about, you know, we see these TV moms in the era in which they're presented, but— you know well after the show ends, obviously they're characters, they're fake people, but you can imagine that the moms would evolve with the times too, right
2: absolutely and And there's nothing to say that everything described in that text message isn't still present today. There's just new versions of it yeah um, and I and I think that uh, i I feel like John we were when we were little kids we we grew up probably on the very tail end of of what was described word for word there. But you know, now again, I think there's there's all new versions of it. I mean, so many of my friends are, are mothers now, and I think that uh, they're all finding their way, much like their mothers did. Yeah, for and sure. and as long as they're able to just you know. Press on and keep doing it. They're gonna they're gonna find the way that works for them. Three, and, and I think that uh, that whole idea of it being idyllic is relative. I think to everybody, as close to a certain one hundred percent, right?
1: So. Exactly. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. That's the phone line. We got so many texts, and this one's been consistent. Blake, <laughs> Kathleen Turner in Serial Mom. Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, so Serial Mom is, I believe, a 1994 uh, comedy, uh, but it's also a bit of a thriller uh, because Kathleen Turner, this was a phenomenal actress. Uh, if you've never seen anything with her in it, I'd be very surprised. Um, however, uh, she plays essentially a serial killer who's also a mom. Uh, and and it's a, it's a wacky, funny, very 90s uh, comedy that I, I would recommend. I mean, I, I love those types of movies just because, They came out when I was a kid, so anything I saw, like from probably like 1993 to 2003, regardless of the quality of the film, it probably had some kind of impression on me. So yeah, I I would definitely say uh, if you want to laugh, probably more laughs now than it might have had then, because it, it is kind of like a horror slasher movie as well, uh, yeah. check out Serial Mom. That's a real 90s trip. Okay. Very good recommendation.
1: Uh, did Kathleen Turner voice Jessica Rabbit? Am I pulling that out of uh, thin air, Blake? Or...
2: I think so. If I not, think... it sounds exactly like her.
1: If I, if I know that and Blockbuster Blake does, and that's a point for me today, everybody, I'll let you look that up a little later on. Someone texted in Reba McIntyre on Reba. I, I, I'm i not a huge country. I watched Reba, and I agree. I loved it. <laughs>
2: No, yeah, Reba. I think was one of those fantastic early two thousands sitcoms that I believe it had like eight years. Yeah, it had a really good run, um, and I think it goes without saying that Reba has a very iconic presence, both you know, on stage as a singer and entertainer, and a songwriter, and and everything. Like that's an entire like monolithic chapter of her career. But she's also done some fine work in TV and movies, and and I mean, Reba the television show is an excellent standout choice. I mean as a I think she plays a single mom of it's two or three kids so I, I think that's an excellent choice if you want to dive into a new sitcom especially on Mother's Day yeah. uh, with a familiar face the chances are you absolutely adore because the public loves Riva no yeah. question
1: uh 847 chimes in with modern family mothers all of them <laughs> they were uh, full characters they had Husbands that acted like children, uh, but they were uh, sexy beans, mistakes and all. Yeah, all the moms of mo- family, in modern family are good.
2: Yeah, I was going to say all unique personalities, all unique characters, but all in one family, uh, which leads to a lot of hilarity. Both interactions with their husbands, with each other, with their kids, like. Yeah, I would highly recommend Modern Family. Very good pick.
1: 847 says, The Mom on Big Bang Theory. Uh, the one that you never see but is always yelling off screen at Howard. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> did you look up, I, I sent this one to you, Blake, Florida Evans. Do we know that answer? Did you happen to figure yeah, out what that uh, was? Good Times.
2: The moms of good times yes Florida oh. Evans yeah no she I think is one of the big standout uh TV moms, uh, especially for the era now good times is not the only thing she did, but I think for for me good times is is the big standout performance um and if if you want to dig into great Actresses who had some really truly dramatic moments on televisions while on television while playing mothers, um, not in a modern era, you know, where they're really trying to write that on the regular. Um, Florida Evans had a couple of scenes, I believe, that are—I I don't want to call them heartbreaking—but they're really engrossing performances that that showcase that it isn't just about laughs. Um, there, there can be a lot of great dramatic moments with. TV Moms, uh, Florida Evans, that, that is a really good pick. I'm actually surprised we haven't talked about her yet. Right. Um, so yeah, thanks for sending that in. That was a really good one.
1: Someone from a movie said the mom from elf. She's unflappable.
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Much like her son, uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. In yeah. That movie.
1: yeah. Exactly. Uh, people said a couple people have chimed this in. Do not forget Marie Barone from everybody loves Raymond for sure.
2: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think in, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, that that character uh, is a big standout. Yeah, absolutely.
1: TV mom, Anne Romano, in One Day at a Time, and also Alice, the waitress from Mel's Place. Two uh, two good nominations there. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think, yeah, and by the way, John, just... uh, interjecting very quickly yes kathleen turner did voice
1: hey rabbit, look at so. that uh we've had one chime in and this was actually ranked on the someone ranked like the top 25 best moms and i am not a gilmore girls fan or i'm not a, against it i just never have seen it but so many people have been texting about laurel gilmore
2: yes uh i i you know what that's a a blind spot for me as well. I have never watched Gilmore Girls. I, I figured somebody would send it in because I think that uh, even given the revival of the show, which I, as far as I know, fans really enjoyed, um, I, I think that uh, she's one of the big standout moms, you know, I believe single mother who's raising uh, children uh, who are becoming adults. Uh, so it's like a coming of age for everybody involved. Um, but also, you know, it's not just she takes care of the house she takes care of the kids she's got her own life yeah and i think that um that that is probably a big reason that character even today still resonates with
1: audiences and by the way i mentioned marie barone from everyone loves raymond other people are saying well what about deborah yes deborah as well of course good moms you know which one and this is probably just a sign of when i grew up and watching tgif i uh always loved jill taylor from home improvement as a as a mom on tv And, and maybe it was because you know that the taylor house was three boys i grew up in a house with three boys uh my dad was a Handy guy. Although I guess, uh, you know, he wasn't much of a handy guy, but he was supposed to be a handy guy in the show. I don't know. There were some uh, allusions to the suburban family that I kind of related to, and Jill Taylor I thought was a great mom.
2: I think Jill Taylor was always the voice of reason in a house full of fun craziness, uh, uh-huh. and, and I think that that's an excellent pick, John. Given, given the dynamic of the family and everything, it is – when you go back and watch clips or even a full episode of the show – something's going to go wrong or there's going to be some crazy antic and in some way she is the true voice of reason in that household. For sure. So yeah, I've always appreciated that character. All right,
1: Blake, which ones can we not end with here before I let you go?
2: Oh, the big ones for me, I think it's actually an actress who has played moms of every ilk, uh, which is Allison Janney. I think that she's played... One of the the best uh, type of moms in the movie, Juno, who is incredibly supportive of her daughter going through teen pregnancy. I think she's also played one of the worst moms, uh, playing Tanya Harding's mom in I, Tanya. All right. Um, She really is a very layered, gifted actress. Um, who I've I've had the pleasure of seeing live on stage once before, and she just blew me away. If you want to find an actress who has a lot of layered performances and and plays a mom on today, you know today in particular, uh, she's even got uh, the sitcom Mom. Uh, so I, I would highly recommend just pull up the IMDb page of Allison Janney, pick something and go wild. Uh, and then the last one, John, is I think one you and I both love and appreciate and adore, which is. Lucille from Arrested Development. Um, (laughs) Jessica Walter is outstanding in that show. She is beyond hilarious. Um, Obviously not the the pinnacle of example (laughs) mom, but definitely one of those moms who flaws and all. Uh, is a very intriguing, funny, and enjoyable character to watch. Um, And in a show that's loaded with talent, she is completely one of the standout uh, performers on it. And may she rest in peace, because she's sadly no longer with us.
1: Yeah, I think that starting with June Cleaver and ending with Lucille Bluth is uh, the perfect way to uh, start and end this thing, Blake.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? What a Mother's Day. There it is, right there. Give you the whole whole gamut.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wish your mama a happy Mother's Day for me, Blake, okay?
2: Will do. You as well. You have a great one.
1: Blockbuster Blake Stubbs. You can follow him on Twitter at Blake Stubbs. That's with two Bs.